Today I'm rebroadcasting a conversation I had with Brad Solomon, founder and CEO of the CTG Group in the UK, on his podcast called The Lockdown Sessions. The Lockdown Sessions is a podcast Brad started in, I believe, March of 2020, as COVID-19 was sweeping the world and forcing everyone into lockdown or quarantine or whatever your favorite term has become. He describes his podcast as an exploration of a broad range of topics, including self-awareness, self-management, learning and development issues, and personal growth. So it probably comes as no surprise that it's a great fit for me. (laughs) So to give the current events, we mentioned some context. We recorded this in June of 2020. So that will place some context around what we're saying about COVID and other things going on in the world. And... My connection to Brad comes through Red Hat, where a couple of years ago, a mutual acquaintance of ours introduced us because of our common interest and practice of coaching and leadership development. Doing this series with Brad is a lot of fun. We have three, we have four of these recorded. There's probably, I think there's another one on the calendar to do. So who knows how many more there will be. We never plan what we're going to talk about. We simply meet online, push record, and then whatever unfolds, unfolds. Now, because we're both coaches, our conversations tend to gravitate back to coaching whenever we wander astray. I believe there's things that we share from our own lives in terms of what we're learning and what we've experienced that will be useful to anyone. So here we go. So uh, welcome, uh, John Blesser, to the lockdown sessions. And it's great to have, well, I was joking before, but an experienced podcaster, um, but more importantly, a, a business and life coach. And part of these lockdown sessions, John, are about drawing on experiences of people who work in the field of learning and development, of organizational development, and just in people development. So first of all, thank you. And welcome. Let's make it like a, a real buzzing edition. You got it. Thank you. Yeah, no, um, and I love what I love what you're saying about learning because when this started, I don't know, three months ago or whenever you want to count, like I was supposed to meet my own coach in Canada and I'm right. in the United States. And so we couldn't meet in person. And so I said, wait a minute, could we convert this? in-person thing into actual sessions over time because if there's any time to be learning and living life and making the most of it now is the time could we do that and he said yeah sure so we converted an in-person into like four editions i was like meeting with him every other week and yes the learning just continued to to multiply well, I've, I've said before, actually, to, to people that I got a little bit insecure at the beginning when I started to read a lot of social media about if you don't write a book during <laughs> lockdown, you've wasted your time. Um, you should learn a musical instrument and get to grade eight. Uh, learn three new languages. What was that about? <laughs> I think it was I think. Well, I think it was a very natural I'll call it a trap to fall into. I think I saw it a little bit myself, but I think there was, and I, I, I read a few articles on this too, where, yeah, there was this notion of like, oh, we're going to have all this time. But what wasn't factored into that was all of the 
chaos and uncertainty and social, like all the, not the current social unrest. I mean, that came later, but the mental overhead that comes with, we have this thing that's bigger than we thought it was. That's actually a thing that some people said wasn't a thing. And now it's really a thing and it might affect you and it might not. And you can't go to work and you can't go to school. And so we'll just do everything from home. Oh, don't worry, John. Apparently in April, it just disappears like magic. <laughs> <laughs> you got the graph going in the wrong direction. <laughs> um, but you're right. That, that, that concept, um, someone was saying to me in a, a one-on-one uh, the other day that it was like, living through and walking every day through the change curve in life. Um, you know, you'd, you'd go out to the supermarkets and you could see anxiety, shock and denial all at play when there was no toilet paper or pasta on the shelves <laughs> <laughs> in the first few weeks, right? Right. And people needed to settle down. But my obsession for nearly 30 years of work has been in the world of learning. So I'm always looking to say, how do I move through this process and learn from it? Not to be patronizing, but yes. how do I take something from a very challenging, mentally emotional, disturbing, deeply sad period of time and to try and find something that I can learn and move forward with has kind of helped me be quite positive to maintain a positive mental attitude when actually I don't want to look at the news and see how many people have died in Italy today compared to, I mean, we've got comparison charts mm-hmm. and how many people have died where, and, and although I get it, it's kind of macabre yes. to compare yeah. how many died there to there. Wow. So, as someone who does, who lives out of the US, who I know over the last couple of years, and we were introduced via a client uh, through, you know, Red Hat, their collaboration principle, bringing us together. Um, I wonder what you're seeing, you know, in the US. I know you as a positive person, someone with a sort of very positive mental outlook. Um, what have you been observing in yourself, maybe in others, over this period? Well, I love that you see me as a positive person. And I would say that it's not something that comes naturally. Like it's mm-hmm. something that I choose. That's a big word for me these days too. choose. It's something I choose and like, and actively work on. And what I've learned actually in this time, <laughs> I got to work on it first thing. I cannot start the day by looking out into the world to see what's out there and to see how bad it is or hope that it's not as bad as it was last night and then think that like I'm going to create a positive mindset or a positive approach to the day that's like looking out to the day to say hey what are you what are you going to be or what are you already <laughs> how big is the dumpster fire out there versus I'm going to create from inside what I want this day to be and who I want to be in it and then take that into whatever is out there. In terms of what I've seen, I, I think I went through a very, un- well, I feel like I went through more of a unique process than a lot of the people I know, which is I really enjoyed the first month or two of just seclusion. Oh, can't go anywhere. Oh, can't, like, like there was no, there was no 
inkling of social obligation because there couldn't be like mm-hmm. you just couldn't go anywhere which was like great for me now some family members that are more extroverted than me total opposite so i think i went through a lot of the folks that i knew were within the first week or two were really like oh this is horrible what am i going to do and i'm thinking well i had a little bit of my own freak out in the beginning but then it was just like wait this is great i don't have to go anywhere i don't have to drive anywhere i go to the store once every two or three weeks this is great and then it started to kind of wear over time so i yeah i'm I'm hard-pressed to kind of give an accurate like a i feel like it's a it's across the spectrum in terms of um, where people are at, how they've handled it. So how how does that get to your question? No, because when I'm listening to you, I hear a couple of things. And and the first thing is, I know I've joked about it before with friends, uh, even on some of these uh, podcasts I've been doing, I've been physically and socially distancing for 28 years by choice. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, the whole idea of remote work, like, like within the first month, I was like, if I see another article on how to work remotely, I'm going to poke both my eyes. Right, like, right. This is like, I did this for like 15 years. Like, what's the big yeah. deal? And then it was like, oh, this is a big deal. Wait a minute. I know. Okay. I, I was compelled to, to put out an infograph on, on how to remote work, uh, AKA 1995. Um, so this wasn't new. And as someone who gets my extrovert energy from, workshops yes i i would miss some of that from being out and about but actually i've converted that internally so i still get the buzz of talking to lots of people and seeing people and being intimate with them even on screen but actually i've lived my life as an introvert uh, since my well at least since my 30s not so much in my 20s and as a result for for 20 years actually <laughs> living remotely as I do in a village, um, working remotely uh, means that, you know, when I've closed my door, it could be five days before I see anyone anyway. So so this wasn't new. And I, I, I joked at the beginning that it would be like the introvert would rise to the top. This was the rise of the introvert. And uh, someone called me out on it and said, you know, we're all we're all ambiverts. And actually, yeah. I quite like I quite like that because yes. they're right. Yeah, we're not yes. one, or it's not nothing so binary anymore, right? Mm-hmm. But but to your point, I think the point you made right back at the beginning when you answered the question was important for me because it was about you're not looking outside to govern what's going on inside. You look inside first, and and that I think you said was the choice you made. You didn't go on CNN first thing in the morning have a look at the headline and think, wow, let's go and check that out on Twitter and get a bit more feed on that. And then suddenly you're so worked up by nine o'clock. Actually, how are you meant to have a positive day when you're so miserable? Yeah. And just to be super clear, I'm really not that smart. So I learned all this the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) So you were entering CNN and Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing is like, like, how bad is this? Like, how far has the stock market fallen? Um, Yeah. Just, I'll learn. Yeah. And then, and then it, this accumulates over days and weeks. And then you're in a mental place that you don't want to, that's not very life-giving. And you're just like, how did I get here? And <laughs> how do I do this differently? Oh, <laughs> again, Hi. and this Hi, is, where, uh... this is where coaching helped too, where, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm a coach. I'm fairly self-aware, but there are just things that you just can't see. And, and, you know, just a like really pointed question of like, so what are you putting in your mind? Or 
how are you starting your days these days? Oh, or what are you doing with what you've been learning in our sessions? Nothing. Huh. <laughs> Maybe I right. could slap some of that time to like put some of these things into action, into work, than to keep looking for more new shiny things. Or, very, very or burning or on fire things. <laughs> very early on, I realized that I had to remove my news apps from my phone because I was consuming myself with information. Uh, knowledge is information, right? That's true, uh, but unhelpful. Um, and I was always reminded of things my mum used to say to me when I was a kid, which is, Brad, I, I, loved, I loved music as a young kid, right? I, I still love music, but as a young kid, I adored music. I wanted to be a DJ. Um, and I used to have spin records, and I had two of them lying next to each other, you know, and I used to really play. Uh, and even in my teens, my brother and I, we'd have like a mobile disco. We'd go and like do parties. It's how I kind of earned money, put myself through college. And uh, she always used to say, you know, you're the DJ of the soundtrack in your mind. So if you don't like the soundtrack, change the record. <laughs> That's brilliant. Right, isn't it? And, um, and so for, for this period of time, what was I doing? I was proactively creating a soundtrack of death, <laughs> misery, <laughs> destruction of, you know, people's lives. And, and we know people who sadly have passed because of this, this pandemic. And actually, this word you used right at the beginning was choice. It's a choice you make, whether it's the hard way or the easy way. I, actually, I don't think it's relevant. I think the fact is that you come to this choice. And I wonder how much discipline does it take you to maintain and sustain that choice? Because so often creating new habits, it's quite hard to create that muscle memory that doesn't suck you back into that. And, you know, Twitter's, it, it's, somehow it sucks you in. It's like YouTube. John, I went on YouTube the other day to look at a National Geographic program on shark attacks in South Africa for people who had dived in cages. Very specific. <laughs> but I ended up over an hour later, still in my office on my computer, watching cartoons from the 70s. Amazing. I mean, I, I write, what a wormhole. <laughs> that one, it was like a rabbit hole. So how do you do it? How do you create that consistency of behavior, I suppose, is what I'm trying to find out. For me, it's over time. For me, it's um, flexibility, grace. I picked up a simple meditation I was going to say, I picked up a simple meditation habit a couple years ago, which isn't true. A couple years ago, I tried to meditate for five minutes. And then I did it for a string of days, or maybe it was 10 minutes for a string of days. And I was also doing this journaling thing where it was, um, you tried to get to 40 days without breaking the streak. And if you broke the streak, you had to start over. Mm -hmm. And I, I, broke the streak. I had to start over. I got to 40 days and then I blew past it. I think I got to 200 days before I missed a day or something. And somewhere in parallel, I started doing this little meditation thing. And I still haven't broken the meditation thing. It's at least 10 minutes a day. Sometimes it's more, but it's, 
I don't know. It's prioritizing. It's it's doing it over time, little bits, maybe increasing it. And then it's like, I'm totally not one of these guys that's like, just grind it out and strengthen your discipline muscle. And I, I don't know that just, it seems to work for some people, but I'm not a Navy SEAL or one of these guys that just, it's I love the me. image. I love the image. No, because there's this guy, Jocko Probably Willink. give me 20. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jocko Willink, he has this whole thing of extreme ownership and he like yeah, works out every morning at 4.30. And I used to think that was the ideal. And I just think, you know what? It works for him. And that's he- like great. For me, it's, I think it's learning to like surf the waves, uh, the, the ebb and flow of like, is this serving me? Is this not serving me? Do I need to yeah. choose something or not? And the other thing I've learned recently is sometimes I'm stalled and stuck and drowning because I'm not choosing. Like I'm stuck between like, I don't know what to choose. And there's this irony. There's like this power in actually just choosing something. Then the world or however things work out there kind of move with you. But if you're just not doing anything, you're not doing anything. I know that's really profound, but I guess what I'm trying to say is choosing something, even if it's quote, the wrong choice is often not the wrong choice. We're not talking about like moral or, or ethical issues here. I'm just saying, it's just like, well, should I exercise or should I have another cup of coffee? I don't know. What do you want to do? What, what's most present to you? And for me, one day it was like another cup of coffee. Great. I'll exercise tomorrow. So yeah, the discipline, like it, it happens over time. And I think there's an ebb and flow and you surf the waves of what's going on. And you look to like, what do you want more of in your life? What do you want to get? Like, what do you, who do you want to be? And what do you want to be having? And what choices will lead to that? I do feel as though this has given the whole world, like for the first time in history, humanity is experiencing the same thing at the same time, globally. And we might be one or two weeks of, like apart from each other, but essentially never has there been an opportunity for the entire planet to be empathic with each other. And for me, this gives a real opportunity for connection, and that starts with the self. So I'm with you. I, I think we have to sometimes look in the mirror and be like, oh, I don't know what to do. Um, I was speaking to someone the other day, and, and they, they, they nailed it for me. I said to him, what's made you laugh during this period? He, he said to me, it's the I don't know world we're living in. I said, what do you mean, the I don't know world? He goes, well, someone will say, where can I buy a banana? I don't know. Um, When can we go out for a beer again? I don't know. When will we go back to work? I don't know. When can we travel again? I don't know. Uh, When's this going to be over? I don't know. When are the kids going back to school? I don't know. And we're living in this I don't know world. And if you just accept that, that we just don't know, just choose what you want to do today and shut up and get on with it, he said. Because the more you procrastinate and the more you ask yourself, what should I do, the less, you know, time will just pass and you'll do nothing and then you'll beat yourself up and then you go into this horribly unvirtuous cycle, uh, which is just not very pleasant. And I love the way he said, like, 
I said to him, oh, we're moving into a recovery phase now, you know, slowly but surely finding new ways back into work. And he goes, oh, Brad, no, it's just we're moving out of the I don't know phase into the I don't know exactly phase. <laughs> and he's in, he, he wants people to remain in a slowed down state because he thinks this is our chance to reflect. Mm. And he's convinced people aren't reflecting enough. And I wonder whether you might see the same in, in friends that you talk to, in, uh, people within your own community. I see it as a step. Well, I think what jumps out to me is I think it's a huge leap to go from very broad generalization. But if, if, a, if, if people have been so focused on, you know, just being in their own homes and in their own routines their own lives and suddenly it's different i think it's a huge leap to just say oh suddenly they're gonna just stop and just smell the roses and just like suddenly be these like go from like zero introspection to massive introspection i don't that seems like a big leap what i am seeing though like even in my neighborhood is like all these people walking around that i've never seen before like, just like, I would like, like, where do you live? Are you like two blocks away or 20? Like, I've never seen all of you people before. And I'm at home a lot and I walk around my neighborhood a lot and I have never seen 75% of the people I'm seeing. So I don't know, maybe I see it as a, uh, in steps. It's like, and even now, like we're three and a half months into this. Even when I go out for a walk now after dinner, like, there's more people out than there previously were. So I guess I see it as kind of like an evolution of we're out of our houses. We're going for a walk now at night or in the morning or even during the day. And so I don't know. I guess I would see it as a more of a progression than a like, I was never a journal or introspective at all, but you know what? I just spent an hour journaling and meditating this morning. I think so. Yeah, right. I didn't need to become a meditation guru in three months of lockdown, but actually maybe taking five minutes a day to close my eyes and breathe uh, could work really well for my mental health. Yes, totally, totally. Um, And actually when I watched a great uh, video in one of my YouTube wormholes um, of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he was talking about a procrastination about learning and developing and growing. Always grow, he was talking about. And he said, imagine if for 10 minutes every day you read something new in a topic you loved. Let's say history. So for 10 minutes every day for a week, imagine what you'd learn in that week. You'd spend an hour and 10 minutes reading about history. Maybe make some notes. And then the next week you'd spend 10 minutes a day just before you went to bed or maybe just when you wake up if you prefer just reading. And he said, imagine if every day and every week and every month and every year you read 10 minutes of something to do with history every day. Imagine how much you would learn. And I it's just, it's whoa. profound, right? Way, way. Well, and what's so beautiful about that, it's the the cumulative effect over time. And it's taking the 10 minutes of scrolling Twitter to see how 
bad things have gotten or hoping that things have gotten better that doesn't really provide any lasting value very often and replacing that 10 minutes with oh that's brilliant yeah right. we've got that 10 minutes that 10 minutes oh. is out there it it just it is it you com- just have to claim it of course it is right you have to make the choice this is back to your word choice again yeah um and i i almost feel as though you know um my nan always used to say she was a survivor out of the holocaust you know so she understood pain and suffering and she always used to say you look for a gift even in the worst of times and maybe this is the gift of of lockdown right it it gives the time and i know there are people listening to this who are single parents or their uh, husbands and wives or partners anyway um it's not so binary as that anymore but you know partners with kids young kids at school living in apartments you know the pressure's on um i live in a house with a garden in a rural location i'm not struggling in lockdown right but i know that i've spoken to people who are living in apartments in the middle of paris you know with no balcony and it's like 50 meter square apartment with two young kids and i know that they might feel as though they can't find that 10 minutes but i wonder whether part of what this whole process is doing for us is it's forcing our hand to say can you claim that time here's your challenge john find 10 minutes a day to meditate or stop telling me you want to yeah when what pops into my head is creativity (laughs) our brains have like an amazing creativity ability to come up with things. So if you start with the belief that it's not possible to find 10 minutes, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. st- <laughs> if right. you come from a place that says, I wonder where I could find 10 minutes or I wonder how I could create 10 minutes, anything is possible. Is it wake up 10 minutes earlier? Is it is it go sit in the car in your garage for 10 minutes? Because that's like the quietest place that you can find where you will just have privacy for 10 minutes. Does it sound strange? Yeah, but who cares? Nobody's going to know. In other words, just when you start to play with like anything is possible to find these 10 minutes and where would I find it? That's quiet. Try something. Yeah. I think there's real, uh, I love this because actually, I mean, it goes back again to this word of choice. It is my choice. It's my choice to commit to me being important Uh, for me this goes to the root in sort of coaching work of nurturing the self and if I don't nurture myself one why would anybody else Uh, and two what a shame (laughs) not not to nurture myself Um, I I have behind me a um, this isn't very good for audio but uh, I have behind me a a keyboard Um, and uh, I invested a few months ago in a really cool attachment that would allow me to plug into my lap, into my Mac. And when I play the keyboard, it will transpose, you know, the music into a garage band. And, you know, I could then get a software program called Scorecloud and, and, you know, have all my songs written out. Actually, what it did was it just got me back into playing my keyboard. And... Once a week, uh, my wife, uh, on a daily basis, does this Facebook 11 scenes where she talks, just talks actually out and people join. And on a Friday, 
I sit in my office with the door open and at 11 o'clock, I just play the keyboard and <laughs> and sing um, while she does her 11 <laughs> And it's just lovely, right? It's just a moment in time where I do something that I love. Mm-hmm. And I'm busy, John, right? I'm not, I'm not convinced I can really afford in that moment i think i can afford that time right and i'm not even that good (laughs) like to double it up so i need to practice right but it's this link of isn't it and this goes back to sort of i guess business and life coaching is how do you get people to tap into their passions because when we're at work it's all about your talents and your passions and how do you align them and what I'm learning and observing, or I'm not learning so much, I'm being reminded of, is how to make time for my passions. Not just the new stuff, but some of the old stuff. <laughs> I think you have to be open to the possibility. In other words, I guess I see stages here too. And I see it in my own work. I see it with myself. If you're starting from the position that there's no possibility that I can do this, Again, you won't. Like, it just it's not going to happen. But if, if you're, like, open, like, I don't know, John and Brad were saying this is possible. I don't believe them, but I'm going to hold open the possibility that maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> then you can start to kind of walk down that path of, like, how, how might I do this? Or what might this be? Or, or something I came across. Oh, well, it's actually what kind of launched me to the path I'm down, which is, like, what if you just treat it like an experiment? Like there's no failure in an experiment. You you always learn something. If the experiment quote fails, you learn something that doesn't work. If it succeeds, you learn what. So yeah, so it could be like, well, I don't even know what my passion would be, or what it would be, or what my outlet is, or what what is my ten minutes of keyboard. I don't know. Choose something today and try it for ten minutes. Right. It won't kill you. It just. just... Well, unless of course you uh, maybe think well. You, you could inject maybe bleach on yeah. the inside. <laughs> UV light. Yeah, I, not recommended. <laughs> that, that, that's not an experiment I want to try. No, but you're no. right, right? By, by, by playing the keyboard, actually, I learned something extra. I learned that my, my cat plays piano. And there you go. My, you know, my 16-year-old cat would jump up, and the way he walked across the keyboard, it sounded very avant-garde, his music style. Um... <laughs> He got a lot of likes on Instagram when I when I put it out there. But it's the choice again, isn't it? It's, a, it's yeah. And do, and do you ever look backwards and go, well, you know what? Shouldn't have played the keyboard. That right. was such the wrong call. Like, have you ever had that? <laughs> no, of course not. I mean, I, I I could do that with a lot of my decisions. I mean, a lot of poor decisions. Sure. But sure. but not those kinds of things which actually I do to nurture myself. Um, and actually, I think it's also okay to try it and say that's not for me. You know, I like exactly. you. I, like you, I meditate. Experiment, right? And I find five minutes a day uh, for me. Uh, I use Insight Timer as an app. Yes, yes, I love that. Yes, yeah, I love the app too. And I use the bells to kind of bring me back into consciousness, uh, and it allows me five minutes a day to focus purely on deep breathing. And a friend of mine in the village actually invited me to join um, an abundance group. It was a, a stuff that Deepak Chopra was doing. And 
you would like to send it out to invite people around. And it was 21 days. And I said, actually, why not? I love his voice. And you would, you know, you'd have to do something, a little task each day. And then there'd come an audio recording. would come through in the WhatsApp group. And it was a Deepak uh, meditation. 15 minutes, 8 minutes, 4 minutes, 20 minutes. You know. I got to day 8. And then they started talking about bringing abundance into your life. And I got a little bit irritated <laughs> with it. <laughs> you know, and I drink green tea and I meditate and I love crystals and holistic spirituality. And I, I follow a, a Buddhist lifestyle. I'm, I'm proud to announce it. But this started to annoy me. <laughs> and I thought about it. I really I toyed with it for a couple of days, right? And then I left the group. I said, sorry, this isn't, you know, this isn't for me. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, and I felt bad for about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized, you know what? It's okay. I don't have to like it. Yeah, you did the experiment for eight days. Right. That was all I, you needed to know to, to determine not for me. Yeah, I, I, I didn't feel the need to, to draw that kind of abundance into my life. I, I wasn't buying into it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change how I view Deepak uh, or any of his writings. It hasn't stopped me doing my meditation on a daily basis, thinking and breathing. I just couldn't do that. And, and I, I almost feel as though sometimes people don't want to start something because they're nervous if it's not right, what it looks like to pull away from it. Because you're talking about choices, but there's other choices that we make before we make a choice. Yeah, and what's, what's underneath that, which is probably a whole different conversation, is judgment. Like acceptance of... I, Brad, am not into this abundance thing, full stop, versus I'm not into this thing and there's something wrong with me because all these other people are into it and aren't you supposed to be grateful and have, a, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? I'm a bad person. Right. Like all oh, the judgment, judgment, judgment. So that would be another place I would totally challenge people to look because as you're going throughout your day, what are you critiquing and evaluating? And if you're I mean, half the time or more than not, I catch myself doing it to other people. Mm-hmm. And when I catch on to that, I realize, oh, my gosh, there's a whole bunch of going on inside of me, too. Right. So, oh, man, that's a whole other place to go. Well, I think we've got our next episode lined up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just stumbled on part two. All right, there we go. There we go. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe we've come full circle, actually, because we started out when I, when I posed the question around learning and observing you kind of said it's that word of choice. And actually, as we kind of maybe draw to a close in this, it's that choice that can lead ultimately to the judgment piece, which is going to be our part two. Yeah, um, do you want to choose? And again, a choice, do you want to continue to keep judging yourself or judging this other person? And does that lead you to somewhere that you, is that ultimately beneficial to you or in coaching speak? Is it serving you? Right. Spoiler alert, no. But no. you've got to decide that and choose that yourself. <laughs> well, as you pointed out, you've learned the hard way. So, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can I, share lots of hard things with you, yes. <laughs> and, and, and maybe part of that is, is, is the fun of these conversations, right? Because it's that other perspective of recognizing that we all have these frailties, right? And, and accepting them. Yes, precisely. And, you know, 
I, there will come a point when we're no longer in lockdown and I'm going to have to accept that I can't call this podcast a lockdown sessions anymore. I mean, it's a time-limited event, this whole process. No, then it'll be the unlocked session. Right, I, I, yes, <laughs> or coming out of lockdown. Um, John P., uh, as you're in my phone, um, thank you so much for a really engaging and almost like a, an appetizer to part two. I know. I, I actually, I'm looking forward to already. <laughs> well, and this is, I mean, it's uh, almost nine o'clock my time and end of your day. So like, this is like, this is the first thing I'm doing today. And I'm like, so lit up. And so like, I don't know, you've made me laugh. You've made me think like, thank you so much. That was brilliant. John, we'll see you on part two. All right. Love it. Thank Take you, care. Sir. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. Send your questions, ideas, or a simple hello to podcast at johnpolster.com. Want to stay up to date on new episodes and receive notifications of upcoming events? Register your email address at johnpolster.com slash updates.